We're in a series of lessons, real answers to the big questions. A few months ago, I asked you to submit your big questions, what you always wanted to ask about God, the Bible, Jesus, and Christianity, and so on. And I carefully and prayerfully sorted through these so that similar topically related questions were placed together in categories, ranking them according to the number of questions in each category. And now in David Letterman fashion, we're counting down from the 10th question to the first most asked question. So far, we have answered question number 10, why should I believe in God? And question number 9, why should I believe in Christianity? That brings us today to question number 8. What is God's will for my life? The questions that were submitted by you in this category were pretty varied How can I know God's will for my future? How can I determine the right direction, the direction God is leading me? How can I make the best decision when I'm faced with several choices? And on and on your questions went. Before we answer, or attempt to answer question number 8 this morning, let's pause and let's ask God to speak to us clearly. Would you pray with me? Father, once again we recognize that You are the teacher. We desire to hear from You today. So open our eyes that we would see, and our ears that we would hear, and our minds that we would understand, and most of all, our hearts, so that we would receive the instruction You have for us today. Because I think this lesson, Lord, just touches every one of us. So, we are Your students And we're ready to learn this morning from you. Teach us, O Lord, for we pray it in your name. Amen. What is God's will for my life? Let's begin by looking at the Apostle Paul's advice in today's text. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Follow along in your Bible as I read. Paul writes, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't miss those words. Understand what the Lord's will is. I think that's exactly where many of us are in our lives this morning. We just want to understand what the Lord's will is. And so let's see if we can answer this question. What is God's will for my life? Beginning with God's will explained. What exactly do we mean when we use this term, God's will? How can we define it or describe it? Well, before we talk about what God's will is, I think it's important for us to understand a couple of things that God's will is not. For instance, God's will is not a mystical feeling from God. God's will is not a mystical feeling from God. Simply put, God's will is not an emotion or sensation. It's not a quiver in your liver. (laughs) It's not some kind of a mystical feeling that suddenly overwhelms us. I say that because I've met people over the years who think that. who, who, Who are just waiting for, ding, you've got mail. 
<laughs> from God. <laughs> you know, this is your will, God. Okay, now I understand it. And this feeling, this overwhelming sensation, this moment happens in their lives. And the problem with that approach to God's will is that feelings are highly unreliable. It's a dangerous thing to trust your emotions, what you sense or what you feel in your heart. Read Jeremiah 17 and verse 9 out loud with me. The human heart is most deceitful and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Well, God knows, and sometimes we forget how deceitful our hearts are. can't always trust our feelings. And so first, God's will is not a mystical feeling from God. And second, God's will is not a mechanical formula from God. It is not a mechanical formula from God. Simply put, it's not a recipe to follow. It's not a method prescribed for attaining a desired result. It's not some kind of a mechanical process which when applied guarantees a certain outcome in our lives. I say that because, again, I've found people that think that. They think that this plus this always and forever equals that. (laughs) Whatever the desired result may be that they're looking for. And the problem with that kind of a mechanical approach to God's will, besides the fact that it doesn't work, is that a formula leaves no room for free will or for the individual uniqueness of each and every person. It assumes that in every case, with every person, everything is in every way the same. And that's just not how life works. That's not the way that we're created. I'm different than you are, if you hadn't noticed. You're different than I am. We are all unique, different, significant Individuals in God's plan. David understood this when he wrote in Psalm 139, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It's amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous. You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. And every one of our journeys, by the way, is unique. You're significant and unique as a person in God's life. And so, God's will is not a mystical feeling from God or a mechanical formula from God. So what is God's will? God's will is a meaningful friendship with God. God's will is, in its simplest way, a meaningful friendship with God. Simply put, God's will isn't rules, but a relationship. It isn't a life map, but a lifestyle. It isn't an agenda, but an attitude. Paul put it this way in Romans 12 and verse 2. Let's read it out loud together. You must get a new attitude to life. Your whole mental outlook must be radically altered so that you will be able to decide what God's will is and to know what is good and pleasing to Him. And how do we know what is good and pleasing to Him? By getting to know Him individually. And intimately. 
See, the bottom line is this. Understanding God's will grows out of a meaningful personal relationship with Him. To put it another way, our purpose in life is to know God, not to know God's will. Let me say that again. Our purpose in life is to know God, not to know God's will. Because as we get to know God, then His will becomes increasingly apparent to us. I mean, let me just use an example. Karen and I have been married 43 plus years now. We're at that stage. Some of you I know have been married much longer than that. (laughs) But we're at that stage now in our lives where we know each other pretty well. In fact, we finish each other's sentences. You know what I'm talking about? She, I can say something and she can finish it. She can say something I can finish it. I know her thoughts. I know what she's feeling many times when something is said to her or something is done. I know her well. She knows me well. You say, well, of course. It's the way it works in marriage. Well, it's the way it works in your relationship with God too. As you get to know God in a deeper and more meaningful way, as you uh, increase in your relationship with Him and go further in your relationship with Him, as you get to know Him intimately, the more you know and understand His heart. And in knowing and understanding His heart, you know and understand His will for your life. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 9 reminds us, God is the one who invited you into this wonderful friendship with His Son, even Christ our Lord. And so God's will is, in essence, a meaningful relationship with God. Now, with that foundation in place, let's move a little deeper with our second main thought today, and that's God's will expanded. As we get to know God, as our daily relationship with Him deepens and broadens, it isn't long before we discover that God's will falls into two very distinct categories. Let me expand on that a bit. First, there's God's universal will for every person. God's universal will for every person. There are certain things God wills for all humankind. His universal will is clearly revealed in the Bible and generally applies to every person without exception, male, female, young or old, rich or poor, black or white, everyone. Like what? Well, let me just give you a few examples. How about salvation? It is God's universal will that every single person be saved. Jesus Himself said in John 6 and verse 40, My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants all to turn away from their sins. It is God's will, His universal will, that each and every single person come to salvation. Or how about holiness? Holiness. It is God's universal will that every person be holy. Read 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 3 out loud with me. It is God's will that you should walk the road to holiness. That's God's will for every single person. It's His universal will that we would all pursue holiness in our daily living. Or how about thankfulness? 
It's God's universal will that every person be thankful and grateful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us, No matter what happens, always be thankful, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It's God's will that you be a grateful person. (laughs) That you be thankful for all the blessings that God sends your way, as well as those hard times and difficult times. In all things, we're always to be thankful. That's God's will. Or how about service? It's God's universal will that every person be a servant. Notice what it says in Ephesians 6, verses 6 and 7. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God from your heart, with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Sometimes we lose sight of that, don't we? We think we're working for an employer when really we're working for God. (laughs) And in all that we do, we are to have a servant's heart, just as Christ Himself came to serve, not to be served. We are to be servants. That's God's universal will for each and every person that lives on this earth. One more. Unity. It's God's universal will that every person be united under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 verses 19 and 20 tells us, He made known to us the mystery of His will to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. We are to be united as a a community of believers. We're to have unity among us. There's to be a oneness of heart and spirit and purpose. And it's all under the Lordship of Jesus. And that's God's will for every person to be under that unity. Now, of course, we could go on and on with many other examples of God's universal will for all people, but I think you get the idea. To summarize, God's universal will is really anything and everything that is clearly revealed to us in the Bible. All of the commands and the principles and the precepts of Scripture that apply to each and every single person without exception. God's universal will. Now the second distinct category of God's will is God's unique will for each person. God's unique will for each person. There are some things that God wills for just one human being alone. Now His unique will, interestingly, cannot be found in the Bible. In other words, we can't look under M for marriage to find out who we're going to marry, or V for vocation to find out what career we're to pursue, or L for location to find out where we're supposed to live. (laughs) However, there are still times that God does reveal His will specifically to an individual concerning a specific circumstance or situation in that individual's life. For instance, the Apostle Paul experienced this on several occasions during his ministry. Just to show you how God's unique will works both ways, notice there I listed a couple of scriptures. Acts 16 and verse 6, we're told that the Holy Spirit prevented Paul from preaching in the province of Asia. That is, God's unique will for Paul was not to travel to the north to do missionary work in Asia at that particular time. And yet, three verses later, in Acts 16 and verse 9, we're told that Paul received a vision calling him to go to the province of Macedonia. That is God's unique will for Paul at this time for us, for him to travel west to do some missionary work in the province of Macedonia. And sometimes God has a unique will for you, for me. Something specific just to us and no one else. 
Now I need to say something here that may surprise some of you. I do not believe that God has a unique will for each and every situation in a person's life. I mean, the extreme of that would be as you're pulling into the mall, you're praying, God, which parking place is your will? And we kind of smile at that one because some of us have prayed that. <laughs> but maybe, maybe a better example would be, God, which job offer should I take? Because there may be three or four of them on the table. And they all look pretty good. And I'm not sure which one to take. Now, he may have a specific will, a unique will, in that situation. But most often, he does not. In other words, as long as we're living under God's universal will for our lives, I believe that God has given us a great deal of freedom to make choices under that will. In fact, in making a decision, there may be several choices that are good choices. It isn't that one choice is right and all the others are wrong. It's not like God's playing a shell game with us. You with the wrong one? Oh no. Although there are some things for which God has a unique will for a specific person, uh, most often I think God expects us just to use our brains and our common sense to make a decision. The idea of a one and only acceptable decision for every situation in life is simply not found in the Bible. And neither is the idea of a divine blueprint for every little detail of our lives. Now once again, God's will for our lives is a meaningful relationship with Him. It's not rules, but a relationship. It's not a life map, but a lifestyle. It's not an agenda, but an attitude. Whether we choose to go to college A or B, whether we choose to work as a dentist, a lawyer, a farmer, an engineer, or whatever it may be, whether we choose to marry Sally or Sue or whoever, as long as we remain at the center of God's universal will, God will still bless whatever decision we make. We must understand that. Let me see if I can illustrate with this illustration. We are all to live under God's universal will. That's everything that God reveals to us in His Word. That's all the precepts, the commands, the principles of Scripture. We are to align ourselves right in the very center of God's will. We are to be under the umbrella of His universal will. That makes sense? Now, if we are living under God's universal will, we have aligned ourselves with the universal will of God, and we are living our lives every day, walking in the Spirit and attempting to the very best of our ability to walk with Christ and become like Christ in all we say and do and think, if we're living under the umbrella of His universal will, sometimes God has a unique will for us under that universal will. Something specific just for you, for me. I'll give you an example. I was 13 years old when God called me into ministry. I remember where it happened and when it happened. It was just as though God whispered in my ear. I can't even describe it to you. And I knew from that point on I was to be a pastor. No doubt in my mind. God called me. And it was His unique will for me to become a pastor. It's interesting, when I was in uh, seminary, I had an older... uh, a uh, gentleman pastor uh, up in his late 80s who came to me one day, looked me straight in the eye, and he said to me, Mark, if there is anything else in this life that you can do besides pastor, please do it. 
It took me a moment to realize what he was saying. <laughs> it shocked you. I saw some of you. <laughs> he wasn't telling me to, he wasn't discouraging me from being a pastor. He was just simply saying, You don't have the call on your life. Please, please, please spare all the people. <laughs> don't go into being a pastor if God has not called you to be that. Go do something else with your life. Don't waste your time or God's time or the people's time doing something you weren't called to do. Because that's a vocation, that's a calling. And I knew that just kind of solidified in my mind. God called me to be a pastor. I knew that. I had to follow that unique will for my life. But sometimes God has that for you. But I think most often, on the other hand, you see our individual decisions. If we are living under the universal will of God, we are aligning ourselves with all the precepts and commands of Scripture. We are trying to do everything God has called us to do in our lives that apply to everybody. If we're living under the umbrella of His universal will, most often, I think we have individual decisions to make. And God just gives us a whole bunch of freedom. <laughs> to make those decisions in the very best way we possibly can make them. So what's that mean? Well, that leads us to our final point this morning, which is God's will explored. In fact, read Psalm 143 and verse 10 out loud with me. You are my God. Teach me to do your will. Be good to me and guide me on a safe path. Now, isn't that what all of us want right there? <laughs> I mean, we want to make good, wise decisions in life, decisions that will please God and be the best for us as well. So, as we're seeking to honor God through our lives, how can we make sure that we're making the very best decisions possible? As we're living under God's universal will, how can we know which path or direction to choose? Well, here's a, an eight-step process that I often pass along to help people as they seek God's unique will and or the best decision. Eight questions that we ought to always ask ourselves when facing a big decision. Number one, Am I living under the umbrella of God's universal will for my life? Well, of course we've got to start there. Because that is the starting point. We must ask that question. Jesus Himself summarized the passion and calling of His own life this way. In John 4 and verse 34, My food is to obey the will of the One who sent me and to finish the work He gave me to do. Now, shouldn't that be the passion of every one of our lives? <laughs> That we would do the will of God and finish the work that God has given us to do. And so I ask you, is that your all-consuming passion in life? To fulfill God's universal will? Is that where you are in your life today? Because you see, the first question you've got to always ask yourself is, am I living under the umbrella of God's universal will for my life? Am I living under the umbrella? You've got to make sure you're there because the rest of this process makes no sense unless you check that first. Number two, does the Bible say anything, directly or indirectly, about the decision that I am facing? Does the Bible say anything, directly or indirectly, about the decision I'm facing? Now again, the Bible doesn't direct each and every situation in life directly. However, there are some guiding principles that probably affect the decision you're making directly if you look at them. Remember, the Bible 
itself tells us in Psalm 119 and verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And so why would we not look here to get a little light (laughs) on where we're going and what we're supposed to be doing? God's word often sheds advice that influences the decision that we're going to make. Let's say you're going to get married. And and you're you're wouldn't you want to look at every passage of scripture in the Old and the New Testaments that have to do with marriage? How can I be the best husband I can be? How can I be the best wife I can be? Would you not want to study those to see what God says about marriage before you made such a decision? When I was getting ready to ask Karen to marry me, I uh, looked up every scripture I could find on marriage. I spent three weeks in fasting and prayer before I made that decision. I don't say that to toot my horn. I just say I can't imagine doing anything other than that. Got to understand what the Bible says before you make a decision. Number three. What counsel do my Christian family and friends have to offer me about my decision? What counsel do my Christian... By the way, underline that word Christian. Christian family and friends have to offer me about my decision. Let's read Proverbs 12 and verse 15 out loud together. Fools think they know what is best, but a sensible person listens to the advice of a friend. Well, yeah, of course. And I say Christian family or friend because why would you want to ask advice about a major decision in your life from someone who isn't under the universal will of God? Does that make sense? (coughs) Seek counsel. Listen to what they say. They're there for a reason. Which leads to number four. What counsel do my church leaders have to offer me regarding my decision? What counsel do my church leaders have to offer me regarding my decision? Hebrews 13 verse 17 reminds us to be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. Ask your spiritual leaders, your Bible study leader, your pastor, Others who are in spiritual authority in your life. Ask them. By the way, let me just say this here about both of these uh, principles of counsel. If you are unwilling to ask for the advice of your Christian family and friends, if you're unwilling to listen to the advice of your church leaders, (laughs) that already shows there's a problem. A huge, huge problem. Problem. I know some people who just skip these steps. It's because they don't want somebody to provide a caution. <laughs> they don't want somebody to speak into their lives something that may make them have to rethink their decision. If you don't want to listen to the hard stuff, that already indicates a problem in your heart about God's will. Number five, in what way do my present circumstances bear upon my decision? My present circumstances, they always speak (laughs) to what is best. Jesus offers a couple of illustrations in Luke chapter 14. Is there anyone here who planning to build a new house doesn't first sit down and figure the cost so you'll know you can complete it? If you only get the foundation laid and then run out of money, you're going to look pretty foolish. Or can you imagine a king going into battle against another king without first deciding whether it is possible with his 10,000 troops to face the 20,000 troops of the other? 
present circumstances. They speak loudly into what our decision should be. Especially, it speaks into the timing of our decision. Number six, what are the pros and cons weighing for or against my decision? What are the pros and cons weighing for or against my decision? Proverbs 13, verse 16, we read, Every prudent person acts out of knowledge. (laughs) Out of knowledge. They've done their homework. They have looked at the pros and the cons. Proverbs 19, verse 2 puts it this way, It's not good to have zeal without knowledge. Man, I run into a lot of people who have zeal without knowledge. They are so for something. They've already made up their mind. They are going for it. And just don't bother me with the facts. I don't want to know. I'm going to do this. And they get themselves in trouble. They get themselves in trouble. So I actually encourage you to get a piece of paper and draw a line right down in the middle, put pros and cons, and just start writing them down. Take the time probably a week or two, maybe a month, to write the pros and cons so that you have knowledge with your decision. Number seven, as I prayerfully consider the above information, does my decision give me peace and confidence? As I prayerfully consider the above information, would you underline those words, consider the above information? Because you can't get this step out of order. (laughs) You have to do the other ones first, you understand. you got to get all the homework done. And then once you've done all of the due diligence that you need to do, you consider the above information. And does then this decision give you peace and confidence? Let's read Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 out loud together. Read this with me. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. If you're not quiet and at rest, then don't do it. That may mean you have some more homework to do. may mean you have to wait on the Lord a little longer. But I believe that His peace and His confidence will come once you've done all the things you need to do to look at that. You can have that peace. God gives you that peace in your heart to affirm your decision. Which leads to number eight. What would keep me from boldly moving forward and acting upon my decision right now? What would keep me from boldly moving forward and acting upon my decision right now? I think of Elijah's question to the Israelites when they couldn't decide whether to follow God or to follow Baal in 1 Kings 18 and verse 21. How much longer will it take you to make up your minds? (laughs) Sooner or later, you see, it comes to that, especially for analytical people like myself who tend to overanalyze things. Sooner or later, you've got to pull the trigger. You know what I'm saying? Quit aiming to do something. Just do it. (laughs) Pull the trigger. Get after it. Go for it. Go for it. Make up your mind. Now you'll notice in your notes, in your bulletin, your program, that there's a second handout. I want you to look at that right now with me. Would you take that out for just a second? I'm not going to walk you through this necessarily because we just did. (laughs) This is actually a worksheet that I hand out in counseling sessions. And so I wanted you to have a copy of it today 
Because it's actually these eight questions and a worksheet for you to take home to make decisions. You can use this as scribble right on this if you want to, or if you want to preserve this, uh, you know, get a blank piece of paper and use it for all your notes and just use this as your guideline. I don't care how you do it. But it takes you step by step through these eight questions in order to help you to be able to make the best decision possible with whatever decision it is that you're facing in your life. So that's homework. That's something for you to take home with you. I hope that it will help you. Real answers to the big questions. This morning we've attempted to answer the question, what is God's will for my life? And I trust and pray that you've picked up some practical biblical insights to help you as you follow God's will for your life. Let's wrap up today's lesson by reading Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21 out loud together. Would you read this with me? Now may the God of peace equip you with all you need for doing His will. May He produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ all that is pleasing to Him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this practical lesson today. There are times in all of our lives when we need to listen to this. And we need to put it into practice. Thank You for Your universal will for our lives. God, we want to be under that will in every possible way. Walking in the Spirit every day. Living out the principles and the precepts and the commands of Your Word. Becoming more and more like Jesus Christ in our attitudes, in the words that we say, the things that we do, the motives of our heart. So we desire, God, first and foremost, to be under that will, that universal will You have for us. And then living under that will, God, whether You have a unique, specific will for our lives, something that speaks to that situation or circumstance we're in, that would be very specific for us, or whether You just have given us the freedom to make choices under Your universal will, help us to learn how to make the best choices, the best decisions. Help us to do our homework when we need to to listen to the counsel of others, to find principles in Your Word that apply, to shed Your peace, Your confidence in our hearts. And when it's time for us to make a decision, God, (laughs) help us to make the decision and to go for it, knowing and trusting that You will bless us as we seek to do Your will and Your purpose for Your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.